It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. He's the pride of Fairbury, an average Joe. Bill Dolman, the professor. I had a six ACT in 1967. One time I got an A and my grandma beat me for cheating. Now with Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, courtside here at PBA. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Bill Dolman, pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. The professor at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I just wish I was a little bit like you, where I'm in a place where I'm surrounded by thousands of my friends as I take a look at the stream and look behind you. You know, it's between games, jerks. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it was before games yesterday, Elijah, with you coming off the top rope and two steel chairs. <laughs> See, I can't wait till I show up and all my adoring fans are there once I get there. Uh-huh. Uh, assuming they're not uh, lined up on the uh, phone lines to, uh, to to call you. We had our, our good friend Crew from the stream chat call in asking to talk to the sexy boys. So mm-hmm. thank you for that one, Crew. Yeah, Bill, we, we got the mother. It's taken 20 years, but we finally got uh, someone calling into the KFOR phone lines slash Hale Varsity radio phone lines asking for sexy girls. So. <laughs> Because they found the, le- the 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 number on the internet, and thank God, not a bathroom stall. So I thought they were. I thought maybe they were looking for the old Average Joe Sports Show before we went to podcast. <sighs> yeah, but, no, uh, no kidding, right? Yeah, right. Well, well uh, you know, let's 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 write Nebraska's performance last night at Ohio State, and uh, Dion uh, in the stream asks a, a question, and he's been chatting with some of the other stream listeners on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. How does, you know, and we'll just kind of go from, from the, the response here. How do you explain the bottom feeders slash the lower part of the Big Ten upsetting the, the top part? What do you make of the league? Start there for me this year. Yeah, it's down when we look at how many bids are going to be handed out here in three weeks, likely. That being said, you know, what, what do you think of Big Ten basketball? Then let's kind of dive into last night. You know, I, I think uh... – I'm trying to it, – it has been an enigma this season. And maybe it's because the, some of the teams that have been down are the big-name teams, not that they're perennial powerhouses, although, you know, Michigan's had great had some great teams. But Michigan's down, Ohio State's down, Indiana is down. Very down, right? Uh, so I think that that takes away the perception of what the Big Ten should be. And especially because Michigan was thought would be better, uh, that would, you know, would be improving under Jawan Howard. And it might be that he's on his way out. Uh, Mike Woodson was supposed to have had a very good team at Indiana this year. That has not turned out uh, to be the case at all. So I think when you've got name teams like that, and Ohio State's already fired its coach, uh, that that takes away the perception. But we are also getting into the month of March today, and you've got some teams playing with a sense of panic. We saw Nebraska a year ago, very much in a, a similar situation in the month of February. Uh, kind of playing for its coach's uh, uh, career at Nebraska, and the Huskers turned it around and knocked off some teams uh, late down the stretch. And I think with Ohio State, maybe you're, you're seeing that. Nebraska certainly saw that last night, that 
whether they are attached to their coach as a Justin Fiedler uh, and want to see him get the gig. I don't think he will, but firing Chris Holtzman has turned that team around all of a sudden. And I don't think they were, you know, that bad. But when we saw them in Lincoln, they looked like a glorified men's league team. They just didn't care, right? Um, but I think you're getting teams in March that are playing with a sense of urgency, that are playing, if not for their NCAA tournament lives, uh, certainly to solidify a spot in the NIT. And uh, Minnesota probably falls into that category after losing to Nebraska. Uh, Rutgers is still fighting to get into the NCAA tournament. Ohio State, you know, is not, but maybe an NIT bid. So I think there's a little urgency as to why some of those teams perceived to be in the bottom are knocking off some of the teams on the top. And some of the top teams are fading. Wisconsin got slugged by Nebraska. Nebraska proved the bully may not be all that tough. And they have struggled since losing to in Lincoln. Yeah, Wisconsin, I think, is a great example of a team that lost its urgency and has kind of lost some of the mojo that it had going early in this season. I mean, you had Minnesota talk about it last week whenever they came into Lincoln, I guess on Sunday, that Nebraska was a team that was more urgent. They seemed like they had more to play for, even though Minnesota was playing for their tournament lives. I think we saw an Ohio State team that had more urgency last night against Nebraska, knowing there's still a backdoor shot that they could get into the NCAA tournament if a couple things go their way my question to you bill is when you look at the last two games of the season Rutgers and Michigan do you worry about Nebraska's urgency in those final two games knowing it's more than likely they're going to make it in the tournament unless the wheels fall off but I guess if the wheels fall off it would start with losing to both Rutgers and Michigan I don't necessarily worry about it I think if, as we looked at that four game stretch uh, with Nebraska what Minnesota Ohio State Rutgers and Michigan I think most people would say if if they're going to lose one of those four games, it's going to be at Ohio State. Mm. And it happened. Ohio State's been a lot better since Holtzman got fired. Uh, Make no mistake about it. Uh, Why that is, I don't know. But uh, I I think with I think on Sunday, look, Rutgers is still in that category of, you know, trying to get into the tournament conversation and a win over Nebraska in Lincoln. Nebraska's the hunted would go a long way in helping Rutgers at least make some semblance of an argument. Nebraska cannot lose at Michigan. That just can't happen. If they played the way they played last night at Michigan, I think that they can win the game. I didn't think they played horribly last night. Some some key players did not shoot the ball well last night, but um, you can't get beat at the free throw line. What was it, 24-7 to 7 at the free throw line last night? I mean, that was – I find that a bit of a uh, an odd discrepancy. But, look, Sunday against Rutgers is its senior day, and I don't think you're going to see this Nebraska basketball team that has played so well at home have a letdown in the, the, the regular season finale. They're not going to play an NIT game in Lincoln, I don't think. I think it's going to be an emotional day. I think the effort you saw Nebraska play with against Minnesota, which I thought was rugged, it was they bullied Minnesota, they were efficient offensively. They moved the ball well. I, I, I likened it the other day. I likened it to watching an, uh, an, an old Bobby Knight Indiana team. Uh, I thought they were just efficient and rugged. And that's going to win you games in March, and that's where we are. But as emotional as I expect Sunday to be, I, I, just, I just cannot imagine Nebraska losing to Rutgers on Sunday. Well, they, you don't want to sweat with – so, you know, going to, to Michigan and, and screwing that up, you got to take care of Sunday for sure, right? And then whatever you get in the Big Ten tournament uh, that 
double bye. Going to need some help, some more help with that now with last night's loss. But you had a chance to to solidify yourself with another quad one win last night, and you didn't do it. And I guess the thing that frustrates Nebraska fans, if you just get beat, so so be it. But it's it, what makes Nebraska fans smile about this team is how they play and how they win. But it also what's infuriating is, is how they lose and sometimes their decision-making. And I think Jacob Padilla was with us last segment, put it best. There's still that, that glimmer of doubt with this team, not that they can't get to where they want to go, and that's dancing, but that they revert back to some, some bad habits is the best way to put it. Uh, and listen, three-point shooting's a monster part of their offense. It was, uh, it, it, it took, <laughs> I don't know, 35 attempts, whatever the number was, but they were they were 10 of, of, of uh, of, of 30 plus. So they, they shot 27 percent. I mean, it just, they just weren't efficient last night, Bill, and they they just didn't finish at the rim either, and and that was frustrating for for many Nebraska fans, and they they just settled. Brother, they just settled for some threes. But it, w- it was not as bad as the Minnesota loss at the beginning of conference play. Minnesota. That was a, that was a disastrous Maryland you know, collapse. Yeah. Maryland was, you know, they didn't look uh, like they they looked inept. At, they, they looked terrible at Minnesota, losing in the second half. They looked inept at Maryland and at Rutgers. I mean, those were some horrifically ugly road losses of games that they should have won. Last night, though, again, Ohio State, since firing Holtzman, they've been rough on people. What are they, 3-1 and one now with uh, mm-hmm. since the coaching changed? So they played pretty well. And Nebraska, look, they, you know, they got down. They battled back. They never got over and was, was able to take the lead. And there were some questionable threes in transition. Tominaga was hosting, hoisting up some shots, and he goes 3-for-12. And what well, with Gary was 3-for-12, Mast for 5-for-14. You know, they missed shots they've been making down that stretch in that in the four-game or five-game winning streak. So they, they, I thought they fought. Yeah, they took some bad shots, but they, I, they we're comparing how bad did they look in losses. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Um, I thought they were competitive last night. It wasn't the disasters and the embarrassments and the ineptitude and all of that with Rutgers, Maryland, and Minnesota. They got beat by they got beat by a team that is surging at the you know at, at an important time and they lost on the road at home. You know it, it happens. Do you have any comments on the referees from last night? Uh, twenty four of twenty eight and seven of eight. I rest my case. Enough said. Home that's cooking. That, that's kind of like winning a that's kind of like winning a Super Bowl without somebody uh, calling a holding on the other team or without being someone's <laughs> bitter. You know it like. Look, it's a rugged Big Ten game to have eight free throws attempted in a game. You know, uh, well, if you're partying, some... if you're partying outside the three-point arc, just launching threes, it's hard to get a call in the paint. I know, but still, it, it look there. It, there should be more free throws. It should be at least comparable. That's not that's not comparable. Twenty in a Big Ten game. Come on. Bill, let's go to uh, the next episode of Chasing Three. What do you anticipate? What do you want to see in the next episode? If Bill Dolman is tasked with some creative control here, what what is the feature? What's the surprise going to be here next episode? 
Well, you know, the, the, the feature in, game, in the first episode was, you know, the two defensive line, mm-hmm. Hutmaker and Robinson. Okay, so I'm thinking that we're, we're going to go to some position group. I, I wonder if they are going to put a camera on the quarterback room at all during this series. You know, are they going to devote some time to the celebrity that is the Dylan Rayola phenomena, Danny Kalen, Heinrich Harburg, or are they just going to let that kind of be a side story that people wonder about? Why why put them in the spotlight more than they, that position already is and, and Dylan and, and Danny already are? So I, I bet we're going to see our, see week to week different position groups that are highlighted. Maybe we see the Buford brothers, and um, or maybe we see you know the wide receiver core. Although there are some guys who are out, you know that won't be participating in spring ball, so maybe we won't see them. Maybe we'll see some guys that are on the mend, you know, hoping to come back like uh, Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson. I, I just it's not who we see during this series. I'm I'm kind of curious as to who we won't see mm-hmm. it'll be good no matter what we see it's bill dolman with us here hail varsity radio and bill before we get you out a reaction to more technology on the sidelines of college football that's been in the news today matt rule maybe had it right back in october whenever he commented on the michigan situation sounds like you're going to get some more sideline uh, technology as well as headsets in the helmets for quarterbacks to allow that direct communication your reaction to that seems well past due at this point but it does sound like it's going to be happening and potentially implemented into college football in 2024. I think we should go back to the time when Tom Osborne would whisper into the ear of Donnie Westbrook and Chuck Melito and send in a play with the two guys to relay it to uh, the quarterback of the of the time for the to Dave Hum or something and no electronics on the sidelines or anything anywhere. Let's just go back to Spartan football in the old days. Nah, like it. it I'm I'm shocked like everybody else that they haven't been doing this. You know, to have the transmitter and the helmet or any other uh, uh, gizmo that they have come up with to make the game a little more efficient and into the 21st century. So it's just the, the evolution of the game of football and whatever the Big Ten and the SEC want to do uh, at this point. I'm all for whatever gets rid of those panels of boards that they and the signs that they hold up so we never have to see those things again. Those I think they were should fun. Be, those should just be banned altogether. Who get doesn't rid of that? I don't care what they do beyond who doesn't who doesn't want the, the, the old Ozark tribute where there's four squares. There's a picture of Spartacus in one square. There's uh, the Oregon dunk in another. There's Uncle Phil Knight in the lower corner. And then there's the, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Or there's the picture of Samantha Fox in her bikini from 1984. I, Better yeah, than, I than now. Yeah, you know, or Farrah Fawcett's poster. I got it. You know, <laughs> if, if, that's what, if, if that's what they're going to go back to, okay, maybe I'll allow it. But I'm so – all that – it looked like watching a game show from the 1970s where you're trying to put the, the panels together to come up and solve the puzzle. It was kind of fun to decipher it, though, or at least attempt to decipher what was going on, right? It's, it's Boss Hog, Cletus, Daisy, and Uncle Jesse. Quarterback sneak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just them trying to be too cute for their own good, come up with something and looking stupid in the process. Can I get, get rid of those panels and I'll be a happy football fan. Can I get two minutes on the other side? I want to get your take on the uh, NCAA and, and uh, Charlie Baker and what's happening with the Board of 
directors directing NCAA enforcement to stand down, man. I got, I got two minutes for you, but two words. Eject. Well, they, they are. Abort mission. They are. See you later. <laughs> they are. So we'll get two more minutes with Bill Dolman on the other side uh, when it comes to the uh, NCAA tucking their tail between their legs, at least while there's an injunction going on. Uh, we are courtside here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Uh, the North Star Band is wailing away, and they're doing a fine job at it. I think it's Jackson 5, yeah? Yeah, I think that's that's it. Because I want you back. Maybe not anymore. They yeah. were for a bit. Give me that tune. They, <laughs> that's pretty good. We'll play uh, Sing That Song with one Elijah Herbal. Yeah, is he? Radio Karaoke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, pour me a drink. All right. Hour 2 continues. Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Friday edition, Hale Varsity rolls forward, powered by Cornhead Lager. Courtside here at PBA, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. There's some overtime here with the pride of Fairbury. NBC Sports' Bill Dolman. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT, Highway Safety Office. 30-minute warm-up period is Millard West out of their locker room. 26-1 for Millard West. And uh, Lincoln North Star getting their first state tournament win ever uh, Thursday night. Back-to-back state tournament trips for the Gators. Uh, Elijah Herbal will be down here at PBA as well as Southwest and Bell West at 745 tonight. Bill, what did they get your take? Pete Thamel tweeting this out of uh, ESPN and uh, you have an injunction right now which means this NCAA sent members a letter today saying look in response to the latest order the division one board of directors directed the NCAA enforcement staff to pause and not begin any investigations involving third party participation in NIL activities NIL related activities that means uh, Rocky Top can play that band a little louder uh, today <laughs> and, and other programs. But Charlie Baker's comments, there'll be no penalty for conduct that occurs consistent with the injunction while the injunction's in place. I agree with the decision. While the progress towards long-term solutions underway, uh, we'll wait and have discussions so, uh, there's a pause, there's no teeth, there's no enforcement. Let's just start getting the bag, men, baby. <laughs> I, I think this is kind of like saying uh, we will not have security at Walmart on Black Friday. Nice. <laughs> and I, I think you're going to see member institutions and third-party advisors and uh, the equivalency of AAU sponsors and shoe companies and apparel and all that, they're going to be crowding the door and everybody's going to be sprinting for the big screens and there's going to be nothing anybody can do about it for a little while. And once somebody, be it in Congress or the NCAA or the institutions themselves, decide they're going to police themselves, uh, I don't know how college sports ever gets back to anything resembling what we used to know. Um, but look, Charlie Baker, to his credit, realizes there's nothing they can do right now. 
uh, other than hope that somebody will put some guardrails uh, in place that people may honor. But I'm not sure that's going to be the case either. Uh, I, I kind of feel bad for Charlie Baker because his predecessor, Mark Emmert, was an absolute disaster in not addressing the current uh, status uh, of, uh, well, the current the current storms that were brewing under his ten- tenure and not looking into the future as to what could happen. And then he resigns and Baker comes in from Capitol Hill. Maybe they thought that his... His uh, ties in politics and government would help. That's not proving to be the case. And instead of Congress and the government and all the suits at the NCAA having any power, it's people in letter jackets on high school campuses right now that have all of the power in uh, in college sports. High school kids, college kids, and those who are advising them right now are the ones who are reading the uh, uh, the legalese and saying, here's what you can do now. Go at it, and there's nothing anybody in a suit and tie can do to stop you. Well, the handlers will be having fun. Yeah. Nice. But, you know, but, but credit, look, he, credit saying, look, we can't enforce anything right now. And, and you go back in time to some of the cases that the NCAA was investigating and, and getting people on, whether it was buying a, you know, a hamburger for a recruit, or, you know, is it the Florida State offensive coordinator got in trouble for taking a kid for a ride to an NIL meeting where he was going to, you know, get a deal to get money, but the coach is in trouble for arranging a ride that doesn't come through, so he gives him the ride, and he's the one that's in trouble. And, of course, the women's tennis team at Am- Ma- UMass Amherst losing its conference title over a rotary dial phone hookup remains the most egregious what? example. What is, what is that story? What is that story? Oh, yeah, I, I, I got to go look back and back and look at the details. It's like 10 years ago. There was a the women's tennis team at UMass Amherst won its first conference title like in 30 years. But it came to light that some of the girls who were living in a, a, an apartment or in a house, there was a rotary or a, a landline phone that had been taken care of, hooked up or whatever, and was paid for. And because they redeemed that an extra benefit, they they took away the conference championship of this tennis team that had never won one in its history. And it's a landline phone. Nobody even used it. But because somebody spent like $89 to activate it in the house that they were living in, they deemed it an extra benefit. Whew. Do you know what that that's phone bill was? That's the NCAA. That, you know, that's the NCAA saying, here's how much power we have. Meanwhile, you've got this conference realignment thing going, and uh, we can't stop it. But damn it, we're going to get women's tennis teams and not give them their trophy back. Mm. Look it up, UMass women's tennis. And they're still teed off it, about it. It was a two hundred and fifty dollar phone bill over the course of three years. But oh, and it was, wow. but it was like it was like some like the house that they were living in. Yep. The the owner of the house or something paid for it to be activated. They didn't even use it, but they did that as an extra benefit for a women's tennis team at UMass. We can't have that happening. We're the NCAA. It no clue at all. Man, for, for poor UMass tennis to get whacked like that. Uh, UMass Amherst. Sorry. Well, that's what UMass is. Right, but that's is the it? NCAA, right? We Marcus, are going to make Marcus, millions and billions Marcus of Cam, Yeah, meanwhile, Marcus Camby and Coach Cal <laughs> in the Final Four team. <laughs> How'd they put right. the Final Four team together, allegedly? <laughs> Back right. in 96. You've got, you've got uh, 
You've got all these basketball coaches beginning with uh, Sean Miller and DeAndre Ayton back in 2017 involving an FBI investigation and coaches going to jail and major coaches resigning can be coast-to-coast investigations that, well, Bill Self sat out the Texas Southern game. We're fine with that, (laughs) right? We're okay with that, but this women's tennis team, that's the NCAA for you. I worry about, Bill, we'll get you out on this. Elijah wants your take, too. But I, you know, with, with zero enforcement right now with this injunction, fine. I mean, NIL is NIL. And, and schools, you know, I like Nebraska's proposal in the legislature to let, let, let the university have more say or, or be able to partner versus and keep your 1890s for sure, but be able to partner uh, versus having to play the, the telephone game <laughs> to, uh, to communicate Pun without intended. breaking rules. Pun intended? Yes. I think that has to happen, that there has to be approved, if it's going to be the NCAA or the College Football Association or the CNFL the, the, or the NCFL, National College Football League, something like that, that they the, the the schools are going to have to come together and set agreed upon rules tampering and, play, and you know the players there's going to be a union and then bring the collectives in so that there are those that are approved and you can at least police them in some way but you're still going to have happy meals you're still going to have you know those donors that are going to ha- you know and they're going to give out the cash under the table over the table make it rain up in here Right, that the NCA is just not gonna, that the NCA is just not gonna be able to police, or the C, the NCFL is not gonna be able to police. But at least you put something in place to make it look like you do have some control in some way. And I think that is bringing the collectives, approved collectives, under the umbrella of the universities who are in the elite conferences of the new league when it all forms. And there are 24 teams in the Big Ten. 24 teams in the SEC. They have divisions, and they eventually have a Supreme Bowl, shall we say. Yeah, that works. Good title. Billy D will run you down this weekend. Thanks for going a little OT with us today. Absolutely. I'm going to go trademark that right now. Have a good weekend. (laughs) Bill, always thinking. I love it. Glad to Fairberry, Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. future millionaire with his copyright. (laughs) Yes. Future multi-millionaire. Bill, be good, buddy. Appreciate you. you. There he is.